Good morning. Good to see you today. How's everybody? Looking good? Looking sunny and bright? And I uh, hope you're doing well. It is uh, good to be with the church family today. Yeah, Pastor Dustin and Stephanie have been on vacation, and uh, he is eager to be back. That's a good sign, right? It's, it's good that he's not saying, ah, oh, I'm dreading coming back. It's, it's a good sign that he's eager to be back. And I look forward to getting and Pastor Dustin and Stephanie back. My wife is uh, out of town right now, too. She wanted to get away to some cooler place, so she went to Mexico with some friends. And so um, she's, down, she's down there. Uh, she gets back tomorrow. So I'm here by myself today, but I'm, I'm glad to be here with you. I know that uh, you have been uh, talking about uh, gather, grow, and go. And uh, Pastor Dustin has been walking you through those three Gs. I like those a lot. And um, I know that Pastor Dan Lelisher spoke here last week, and I'm very grateful for Pastor Dan. He's a friend of mine. He actually serves on the Pacific Region Board of Open Bible Churches, of which I'm the director, and so Dan is one of our board members. And so uh, I know that Dan last week talked about, um, talked about unity uh, as part of his, his message. I know that Pastor Dustin has talked some about that as he's talked about the gather piece. And one of the things my wife has said to me before, uh, along the way. I don't know if she got this from somewhere, but uh, I'll just attribute it to her. She said, you know, when God wants to get his point across, he'll often repeat himself. And uh, that's really true. And so before I knew what Pastor uh, Dan was going to speak last week, I had prepared this message for Celebration Center, the word that I believe God has for us today. And so we can talk a little bit more about uh, the importance of unity. But um, the context today is going to be uh, the, the importance of unity to the mission that God has called us to. And uh, so we're going to talk about being the light of the world. Um, how many of you don't have air conditioning in your house? So, yeah, so with me, uh, that's the same with me too. So uh, you probably have been spending time like in your car, going to the grocery store, hanging out. Actually, I, I just thought maybe we just go to the cooler of Costco, pull up a chair and just hang out in the cooler of Costco. But then yesterday in the Bonnie Lake Costco, the refrigeration section all went out. It's a bad day for that to happen. Um, but... Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're surviving. I'm grateful for the air here, and uh, it's going to get just a little hotter. But we'll make it. We're going to make it. Check on people who might need to be checked on. That's going to be important. Um, we're going to read from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, uh, 14 through 16 this morning as we start. And um, I'm actually going to have you stand with me, if you will. Uh, if you'd stand, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture, and then we'll pray, and then I'll uh, jump into this message this morning. It says this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. Let's pray. God, Today, as we look at your word, your holy, beautiful, powerful, transforming word, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would drive everything that happens today. I pray that our hearts would be open to you, that our minds would be willing to be informed, that our wills would be willing to be shaped today, and that your spirit would just continue to lead us to be more conformed to the image of Christ. Lord, we ask that you'd set me aside today. We need our eyes fixed on you. 
We need to hear from you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. If you're online with us, I'm so grateful that you're here and, um, and listening. And, and uh, I believe God wants to speak something to us today. When I was a kid, uh, the house that I grew up in had a basement. And so we'd go down the narrow wooden stairs down to the basement. And uh, it was finished down there. And so we would hang out down there and hang out with friends and play games sometimes down there. But then there was a, another door in the basement that we called the back of the basement. So you go down to this finished part of the basement, there's windows and it's lit and, you know, it's, it's a livable sp- space. Then you go to the back of the basement. The back of the basement is unfinished and there's just uh, st- framed studs there. And uh, that's where a lot of storage, we kept a lot of stuff down there. There was a light bulb in that room, but it was one of those that had the little chain, you know, that you click on. Half the time the bulb didn't work and, or it wasn't even there. Uh, but because it was basically used for storage. So it was, it was a little darker back there. And then if you go to the back of the back of the basement, there was a little square door on the back wall. And as a young kid, that was sort of the mystery door because that was, it went to the crawl space under the house. And so you open that door. I was never sure what was what was back there or what was under there. I was sure there was maybe snakes or wild animals or some crazy thing in there um, or maybe dead bodies. I didn't know what was in, in that space. And it didn't help that one of my older sisters and my older brother uh, had a haunted house in the back of the basement at one time. And so I always had these images that something was coming out of there, uh, the back of the basement to get me. And so we would hang out in the back in the basement sometimes and and so we'd come through and we'd turn that light off because you you know the 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 living space was lit on the windows the back of the basement was dark bunch of stuff in there and then the back of the back of the basement that was like the darkest of darkest so i when i'd come out of the basement particularly at night (laughs) when i would start walking out of the basement i'd start walking upstairs i'd turn all the lights off i'd start up those stairs and as i walked up those stairs i was sure Something was coming after me. And a a lot of the time, I would be running up to the top of the stairs by the time I got there as a little kid. Because I'm not a real fan of the darkness. Because in the darkness, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's, uh, you know, there's fear. You stumble into stuff. You're not sure what is there. And uh, we're not made for darkness. We're made for light. We're made for the light. And and, um, there's something going on right now in in our world, um, and particularly in our country, uh, for us, for our, for, our, for our sake here today, that there is this underlying tension. In fact, it's not e- even particularly underlying right now um, in, in all cases, but there's been this, this difficulty that we're all very familiar with over the last couple of years, and we've had different points of view, and we've had uh, arguments and disagreements, and so there are these people that we have loved, that we have hung out with, that we've fellowshiped with, that we have mutual respect for, but they took a different perspective on these significant issues over the last couple of years or what we perceive to be significant issues, whether it's on politics or whether it's on the racial tension or whether it has been on the pandemic or whether it has been on the restrictions around the pandemic and whatever particular position a person took. There are some people, people in our family, people who are friends who took a different position than we thought they might take, and now there's this tension. Like, uh, we got to know how, how do we move forward? But we have to move forward. We have to, we have to work through this. It doesn't just, doesn't just automatically just fade away. We have to keep moving forward. 
Jesus said in the book of John chapter 8 and verse 12, he said this, I am the light of the world. Now that's not a surprising statement for Jesus to say, I am the light of the world. Yes, Jesus is the light of the world. We know that in the book of Revelation, Scripture says that heaven will have no need for the sun because God himself will be the light. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. That is a powerful, meaningful, understandable statement. But he makes this amazing, incredible statement in Matthew chapter 5 when he says to you and I, well, actually he's talking to his disciples, but he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now that, that's an incredible statement if you think about it. He says to us, he says about us what he has said of himself. He says, you are the light of of the world. We're going to walk through each word of this phrase, you are the light of the world, and just unpack it a little bit because I think there's meaning in each word. So you, let's talk about what he means by you. It's not talking about you singular in this. The, the, the word you is actually plural. He's saying you together, um, you together are the light of the world. The community of Christ is the light of of the world. That's why in the prayer of Jesus, it's called his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. He makes this prayer. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Now he's, he's praying for the apostles. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone, not just these who are right in front of me now, but also for those who believe in me through their message. That's you and I, right? So we believe in him because of the message of the apostles. So he says, I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He says, it's so important, Jesus prays, it's so important that we are one in the Father, that we are one with one another, that our very witness depends on it. The unity of the body of Christ, of the community of the church uh, it, the, is, is so critical to our mission and to our witness. Jesus says in John 13 and verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for each other. If you have love for each other. And then in Romans 12, 18, the apostle Paul makes this statement. He says, if it is possible. Now, the implication here, of course, is that sometimes it's not possible. Um, because sometimes, no matter what we try to do to reconcile or to fix a problem or to, to, to bring healing to a relationship, we can't control what other, somebody else's response is. But he says, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, <laughs> be at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you. So he's saying, listen, whatever your part of that responsibility is, you should live at peace with everybody. We're, we're not going to agree with every, everybody about everything. Is that right? There, I don't agree with probably you, you on some issues. You don't agree with me on some issues. Uh, we get that. We're going to differ on things like politics. We're going to differ on whether a normal human being should ever eat sushi. Right? <laughs> things, thing, important things like that. We're going we're to differ on why, there, why anybody would ever root for the 49ers. We're going to differ about things like this. We're going to differ on, uh, you know, theological nuances. We're going to have differences of opinion on these kind of things. But even if we disagree on almost everything, even if 
people say ridiculous things on social media. And people do say ridiculous things on social media. Even when that happens, as far as it depends on you, light of the world. As far as it depends on you, community of Christ. As far as it depends on you, follower of Jesus, live at peace with everyone. We have to quit fighting each other. Particularly in the body of Christ, we have to quit fighting with each other. Our witness, our light depends on it. You together. And then it says, you are. Now, what can I do with the word are? Uh, You are. Not you will be the light of the world. Not you are when you are at your best. You are, as you are, the light of the world. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 4, 3. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Another translation says, be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In other words, what he's saying there is, listen, the unity of the Spirit is already a reality. It already exists. It is. In the Spirit of God, there is unity. So in other words, we can't be right with God and wrong with each other. Now, it doesn't mean we won't disagree on things, but we won't have the wrong spirit toward one another. We won't be at odds with one another. So the unity of of the Spirit exists. It is a reality. So he says, be diligent to preserve that reality. Do everything you can. Make every effort to keep that which already exists, and that is the unity of the Spirit. Now, we're not talking about a cheap unity. We're not talking about glossing over problems or injustice or pain. We're not talking about that. For example, we wouldn't tell like a victim of some sort of abuse. We wouldn't say, hey, don't say anything. Let's just keep the peace. Don't cause any problems. That's not the kind of unity. That's not the kind of peace we're talking about. Uh, You know, a a husband wouldn't say to a wife who has caused pain to, hey, why are you always mad? Why don't you just get over it? Let's just forget about it move on. No, that's not the kind of unity or peace we're talking about. We're talking about a real unity. It takes work. It takes listening. It takes understanding. It takes care. It takes forgiveness. It takes repentance. It takes self-sacrifice. It takes laying down ourselves for the sake of the other person. It's that kind of a heart. It's that kind of a unity that God is talking about here. You are the light of the world. It also doesn't just mean like you're just acting like best friends. But unity is the the agreement on the central values that hold us as followers of Christ. Those of you who know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, those things that hold us together. Things like um, our need for God. Things like the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ being absolutely central to our rebuilding the relationship with Christ. Things like the authority of the Word of God. Things like our common mission to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And things like uh, seeing every person who is created by God in the image of God as valuable and as worthy of uh, dignity. See, as Christ followers, we represent Christ. We are the light of the world. We represent Christ. Not just on Sunday, not someday, we won't, but uh, on, on Sunday afternoon, we represent Christ. On tomorrow, when you go to work, you are the light of the world. Uh, When you're in your neighborhood, when you're in the marketplace, you are the light of the world. Whatever it is you bring, you are a representative of Christ if you are a follower of Jesus. Whatever you bring, 
you represent Christ. So if you bring joy, you represent Christ. If you bring blessing, you represent Christ to, to the dark world. If you bring love, you represent Christ in places of darkness. But conversely, if you bring bitterness, you still are a representative of Christ. If you bring gossip, you're still a representative of Christ. You are, as you are, the light of the world. Whatever it is you bring, you are representative. We are those who bear the name of Christ. So when my wife married me, when, when we, she and I got married, she took on my name. She took my name on. So she went from being Lisa Staxett to Lisa Hansler. And, uh, it, you know, if, if, if a child gets adopted, most often they take on the name of that family that they're adopted in. There's, a, there's the commandment that says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, right? And we, we often think of that to mean we shouldn't swear using God or using Jesus. You shouldn't, and, and that's certainly a part of it. But the bigger part of understanding of that is when we become His, we take on His name. We are representatives of Him, and we don't want to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. You are the light of the world. You are the Light of the world. Now, what do I do with the word the? How much could I possibly do with the word the? You are the light of the world. It's not you are a light of the world. There is, there's, there's no, we are it. We are plan A, we are plan B. There's no other plan. God's plan was that the church would be his representatives. The church would be the ones who are the light. He's not sending somebody else. We are it. You are the light of the world. And you could say, well, Pastor Dustin could be the light of the world, or Stephanie could be, yes, they can be, but they're only part of the the. We can't abdicate this responsibility. He didn't send his angels to be the light of the world. He sent you and I to be the light of the world. We are the light of the world. We are the image bearers. We are the Christ ones. We are the Christians. We are the light of the world. Let's talk about light. Jesus is the light, right? We know that Jesus is the light of the world. And the, the truth is, the reality is, that we are the reflection of Jesus in this world. We are not light in and of ourselves. Except that we have the Spirit of God living in us and we are the reflection of Jesus through God's power. The problem, here, the, the problem with darkness is not the darkness, right? The problem with darkness is the darkness, just the characteristic of darkness is just darkness, <laughs> the problem is darkness is not the darkness. So I was in a hotel room last week. I went up to my hotel room, uh, used a key, walked in, and the room was dark. I didn't go down, down, down to the front desk and go, you know what, I really don't like this room. Well, why not? Well, because it's dark. I don't like dark rooms. She would have said, well, did you turn the light on? No, I just don't like the fact that it's dark. Can I have a room that just isn't dark? Well, that would be a really silly thing for me to say. The problem with darkness is not the darkness. The problem with darkness is what? It's the absence of light. And we get mad at the darkness. We get all upset about the darkness. Jesus says, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. And then he says, whoever follows me, listen to this, whoever follows me will never walk in in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
that we will never, in other words, wherever we go, we're carrying that light with us. The light of Christ goes with us in every environment we enter into. His light comes in with us or should come in with us into every environment, every place, every every room, every building, every place we go, we carry the light with us. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But we tend to blame the darkness. We tend to get mad at the darkness. We get mad at the culture. Right? We get mad at politicians. We get mad at celebrities. We get mad at those people who have different values than we do. We just get mad at the, all these people and we decry the things we are against and we keep getting mad at the darkness. But the remedy for the darkness is the light. You are the light of the world. Now, does it mean we shouldn't take stands against injustice or we shouldn't take stands against unrighteousness? No, we, of course we should, we should stand up to those things of injustice and, and unrighteousness. And we, could, we should bring light into those situations. But we get mad at people and we have to remember who the enemy is. We've got to remember who the enemy is. Ephesians 6.10, I think Pastor Dan shared this last week. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Now, here's what it says. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the government. No, that's not what it says. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against those liberals. No, that's not what it says. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against those capitalists. It doesn't say that either. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against this culture. It doesn't say that. It says, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He's talking about peeling back the, the, the curtain of the spiritual realm. And if we could see what's happening in the spiritual realm, that is where we do our battle. Our, our enemies are not people. Our enemy is, is the devil's schemes. And we got to pull back the spiritual curtain. We got to fight the right fight. And as long as, here's what happens as long as we keep labeling people, then we can dehumanize them and then we can attack them. Because when we label people and dehumanize them, we take the person and we take their story out of the situation. Then we can just attack them as a group. But listen, there's always a story, there's always a person behind those labels. We got to remember that all those people are created in the image of God. And we got to be light in those situations. Our battle is not against people. Our job is not to fight people. It is to be light to them. And listen, sometimes I get the, I get the feeling that God, you know, the, 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 the kind of the perspective uh, from some, sometimes in the church that God is kind of weak, like, oh, we got to do God's work for him. Yes, we are the light of the world. We got to bring the light of the world. But God is not weak. John 1.5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. What does light do? It brings clarity. It brings clarity. So now I'm, I'm at the stage when I go to a restaurant and if it's sort of dark in that restaurant, kind of a nice ambiance, you know, the environment's beautiful. And then they bring me the receipt and I, and I get the receipt and I can't see what it says. So I got to do the thing where I pull my phone out, I put, turn the little light on and because I can't see it. Um, light brings clarity. And uh, so it helps us to see what needs to be seen. You are the light of the world. We should be those who are bringing the clarity of truth into situations. 
We should, we should, we should help people say, oh, that's what, it, that's what this is about. That's the bigger picture. Light also ex- exposes. Um, it exposes. So, for example, if you're painting a room, if we're painting this room and it's sort of dark over there, you'd want to bring light into that to see where are the imperfections and how can we correct that. Light exposes that. It brings it out. Um, so it exposes. Light brings clarity. So obstacles can be removed so we can bring light into the situation. You are the light of the world. Now let's talk about of the world. You are the light of the world. God so loved the world. Now it doesn't say you are of the world. Scripture in fact says um, that we are to be in the world but not of the world. You're not of the world but you are the light of the world. God so loved the world. God loves his creation. God loves his creation. God created us from the dust of the earth. We were made to be a part of this world. He, he didn't create us as, in, as disembodied spirits and then put us on this earth. He actually created us to live and breathe and function in, in the realm of this created place, in this time and in this place. We are created to be a part of this world. We are created to be his image bearers, the tangible representation of him as his image bearers on this earth. Is this our final destination? No, this is not our final destination. Um, that not, not as it is. Ultimately, we will live on a new heaven uh, and a new earth and, and we will have new perfected uh, bodies. But right now, we are a part of this place. God has put us here and God loves this world. You are the light of this world and our life is meant to have impact here. And sometimes... Christians live as though they just want to get out of here. We just want to be separated from here. That, that there's darkness all around here. I want to get out of this darkness. But we were meant to live here. We were meant to be the light of the world. I was in Lowe's about three weeks ago. I was looking for a recessed lighting for some bookshelves I'm building in my office. And so I go into the lighting section. You go into the lighting section in a, in a place like that. You get all these lights everywhere, right? You got indoor lights and chandeliers and, and, and ceiling lights and you got outdoor lights and you got patio lights, you got garden lights, you got solar lights and, and battery powered lights and you got little tap lights, right? You got the kind that plug in. You got all these lights and it's really beautiful because it's just all lit up and bright in there. But those lights are not in the place they're intended ultimately to be. They're just on display. Those, those lights are intended to be in places that, to dispel the darkness. And, and, and right now, like any gathering we have of the followers of Christ, like we are here on Sunday morning, this is like the lighting section. We're in, we're in like the lighting section right now. All the lights are together. We're all shining. Some of you are a bright chandelier. Some of you are a patio light. Some of you are a little tablet. I won't tell you which one you are. Whatever you are, you are. But uh, we're in like the lighting section. But this isn't, and it's great to be together. It's really bright in here. Because all of your brightness shines and glows. But this is not the place we're intended to be. This is not the place we're created for. Light is intended to dispel the darkness. We're meant to be out and among those who need the light of Christ. We can't remove ourselves from it. We can't be on an escape mission. Sometimes we, we, we want to think about the end times. We think, are these the last days? Is Jesus going to come? We just want Jesus to come and get us out of here to, so we can escape this, this dark world. 
But you know why Jesus hasn't come, right? Scripture says he is patient with us, not wanting anybody to perish. He's waiting because he wants us to be the light of the world so people can know this Jesus that loves them. We learn the signs of the last days not so we can escape, but so it motivates us to engage. Jesus isn't just coming for us on a rescue mission, not to just, you know, we got to get out of here. No, Jesus, I believe, wants us to be on a restoration mission. He wants us to restore people. He wants us to restore his creation to that place of God's intent, to that place of God's design. Our job is to express his kingdom ways everywhere we go as the light of the world. And the greatest example of that, the greatest example of that is when Jesus himself came. Out of his place of glory and honor and perfection and into our world in the incarnation. I want to I share with you, Jeff, if I could get your help. I want to share with you a, an illustration. If, if, if you've been around for a while, you maybe have seen me share this before, but it's an illustration. Um, there was a gospel tract that that I uh, saw when I was a kid and that I have seen since. Um, and it, it illustrated the sort of the plan of salvation. And here's Howard. Thank you. You're a great easel, by the way. I could really torture you and just take a really long time with this, but I won't. Um, but there was this, this illustration, and it looked like this. Some of you, who, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you might even know where this is going already. So there was this, there was these two sides. On this side was um, humanity or me, right? So all of humanity is on this side. On this side was God. And, and in, the, in the tract, it had God on kind of a throne. It was very fatherly looking over here. And this was God. And this, the destination was heaven, right? And over here was, was earth. And uh, here I am between uh, me and God, there's this what? Chasm. It's a chasm. That was the word. This big gap between me and God. And that chasm was caused by sin. Sin is the chasm. Sin is the gap between me and God. And I would ask in my Sunday school class when I was just a kid, I would ask, well, couldn't I jump? Could I... Could I jump and make it? And they'd say, no, there's, you couldn't jump far enough. What if I got like a, like a big ladder? And what if I put it down? No, it would, it would, you would fall short. You would, and, and to make it more scary, there would be flames at the bottom of this. You know, so you can't, there's nothing you can do in and of yourself that can get you uh, into back into that relationship with God because it's our sin that separates us. And that, that story is all true. And um, this is the, kind of the indicative of hell here. And so the answer to this, this dilemma is what? It's the cross. The beautiful, powerful cross of Jesus Christ that bridges that gap between me and between God. And it covers our sin. He takes on our sin so that we could have a relationship with God. And the idea behind this track was this would allow us to get from here over to here to get to God and to get to heaven. But I heard it a little different way uh, a number of years ago. And I thought, wow, that even makes it 
stronger and more compelling, and it is this. Not only does this, this is all true and this is all right, and if you don't have a relationship yet with God as your personal Lord and Savior, you need the cross of Jesus. This is the only way to restore that relationship. The thing I heard a few years ago is, is yes, this is all true, but not, he didn't just do it so that I could get to God. What he did was he gave us Jesus, and God in flesh came across this gap, and he came into this earth, and Jesus came across to us to restore us, to bring healing to us, to, to be God incarnate. He came to where we were. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we beheld His glory. That, thank you, Jeff. Thank you for doing, holding that up for me. You can go ahead and put that back down. Listen, that picture, that image that Jesus came across the gap into our world, into our neighborhood to be among us, that is That is the example for us, that God does not want us to just escape. God doesn't want us to just remove ourselves from all of the bad things that are in this world, but He wants us to engage. He wants us to be among the people. He wants us, wherever we go, to be the light of the world. He wants us to incarnate the gospel wherever we are. I want to read the verse again. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There's an interesting thing that happens in this verse. Jesus moves in this this passage from the world. He says, you are the light of the world. In other words, church, together, the community of Christ, be the light to all. Then he moves to the city. He says, a town built on a hill. He moves from the world, light to all, to the city. We need to be light to our neighbors, to those who are close by, who those who are in proximity to us. Then he moves to the house. Instead, they put it on stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. He moves from the world to the town, to the house. In other words, we need to be light to our family. We need to be light in our immediate circle. It isn't just an impersonal or a distant light. It should start in the very private places of our life. So I'm going to ask you to stand as we close this morning. I'm going to ask you two two potential responses here. Number one, I just want to ask you, how's your light? How's your light? Tend to your light. Maybe you have not been close to Jesus, so the reflection has become very dim. Maybe you've been sort of, to use the light illustration or the metaphor even further, maybe you've been unplugged. Maybe you've, maybe you need a recharge. Maybe it's been just really dim. And you know it. You know that in the places you go, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, even among your family, you haven't been the light there. But God wants to restore that light. God wants to bring that light back strong so that wherever you go, you can display His light so that people cannot give you accolades, but they can glorify your Father in heaven.
Maybe your light is dim. And I would just say, what do you need to do? Do you need to just say, God, I just need to get close to you again? Maybe you need to, to reestablish that relationship with Jesus. Second thing I would just say is, don't be known for your fight. Be known for your light. People look at you and people hear you and people hear you. And, and I've, I've believed all along through this whole journey this last couple of years, which has been lots of arguing and differences of opinion and frustration and concern. I believe actually it's not so much about the position somebody has taken because everybody has an opinion, and has reasons behind their opinion. It's really more about the spirit behind that. It has more to do with what's the spirit that's coming out of you. Has it been anger and defiance and ugh, I'm mad at everything? Be, be known more for your light than you are for your fight. Let's be known more for our light than we are for our fight. Where does there need to be reconciliation? Maybe there has been a, a break in a relationship that you've had and, it, and it, it now has been fractured. You don't quite know what to do because of what's happened over these last couple of years. Where in your world is there darkness? Where in your sphere of influence can you bring light? And I would, I would just challenge you and encourage you, be the light in that place. Don't be known for your fight. Let's, um, let's pray. God, there are people perhaps watching either online or in this room today who just need to tend to their light. Been disconnected, been distant. I get this image of sort of this, <laughs> this sunny day that we're in and, and the bright sunshine and we have long days right now and I get this image of, of all of us sort of like being a solar light and when the, when the light is bright and the sun is out and it's strong, we're just bright as can be but there are times where maybe there's just been distance. Maybe we've been just caught in some darkness. Maybe there's sin in lives of people. And, be, and so we're not getting the reflection, we're not getting the energy of you in our life, and so our light is dim. Lord, would you just, would you just bring forgiveness? Would you bring restoration? Would you bring closeness again for those who have been distant? Lord, would you draw them close? That if we draw near to you, you draw near to us. Just help us to be the kind of light you want us to be. And Lord, help us as your church to be known for our light more than we are for our fight. Yes, we stand on truth. Yes, we stand on righteousness. Yes, we stand on holiness. But God, let us be known for our light more than our fight. We are the light of the world. and We're grateful for that, God. Help us to live as though we are. In Jesus' name, amen.